Well, good morning. It is wonderful to have each and every one of you here this morning. Please join me as we begin by singing the doxology, and it is found in your red hymnal number 549, the doxology. is hymn number 709. My whole being boasts of the Lord. Let the lowly folk hear and be glad. Lord God Almighty, how great and wonderful are your deeds. King of all nations, how right and true are your ways. Who will not fear you, Lord? Who will refuse to declare your greatness? For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous deeds are seen by all. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice, and let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and might belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Our first hymn this morning to get us into the reason for the season, as they say, is number 247, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, number 247.
singing with me, it's always good when I hear the choir, and you are the choir. So it's always good when I hear the choir up here. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, Lord, as we come before you in prayer, Lord, you know the needs that we have, that many times, God, we just don't feel like praying about the circumstances that we have in our lives. Lord, because you know them, but Lord, we seem somehow just to be down, and we even wonder sometimes if prayer even works in our lives. But God, we know that it does work, and we just need to be encouraged, and we just seem at times to lack the faith that God that you want us to have. And Lord, so first of all, I'd ask that your presence and your the spirit in, your lo- in our lives would give us the faith that we need to have so that when we pray to you, we do believe that you will answer our prayers according to your will and according to your purpose. And God, in that process, God, I would ask that you would give us that patience that you want us to have, to give us that discernment, to give us that peace. Because, God, we truly want to follow your will for our lives, but many times we have taken a different path. And, God, we know that you forgive us and that you love us just for the way we are this morning. And we are so thankful that as we pray to you, we acknowledge the grace that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. So, God, as we think about our needs and have the encouragement to pray not only for ourselves, but the needs of family members and of friends, the needs of patients throughout this medical center, the staff that is working today, the family members that will be visiting. Lord, we lift them up to you in prayer in one accord. And God, we'd ask that you would give them the same encouragement of faith that we need to have. And Lord, we just praise you. And we do not take this opportunity for granted. God, we just want to worship you. And Lord, we've already done so in the scriptures that we've read, the hymns that we have sung, and the prayers that we are offering right now. And Lord, we'd ask that you would accept them just for what they are, from our hearts, from our minds, from our spirits to you. And God, we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 255, O Come All Ye Faithful. 255, O Come All Ye Faithful.
You and I all have had different experiences, but I think we share many things in common. And one of the things that we share in common is, regardless of what the circumstances were, we've always had a mountaintop experience that somewhere, somehow, something has happened to us in an extraordinary way, and we just feel that, that natural high that we have. We've had that mountaintop experience. Maybe it was a, a particular victory in a particular game. I know that a long time ago when I was a younger lad and I used to play football, when we win an important game or we come back from behind and we win, I remember one time in my high school year we actually went undefeated one season in our high school football team, and I remember those mountaintop experiences. I also remember the mountaintop experiences of Marion Lynn, my wife, and there's actually a picture of me walking down the aisle after the wedding, and I have this smug smirk on my face like I just won the national championship or the Super Bowl. In fact, when we go back and we look at our previous wedding pictures and Lynn is smiling, she knows exactly what the picture I'm talking about. And it is that sense that we and I, we always have that sense of victory. Maybe it was if you were present when one of your children were born, as, as I was, and I was fortunate enough to be present when each one of our children was born. I remember the first one and uh, our daughter, and I remember the experience that I had, the adrenaline of, of seeing the life of my daughter being born and sharing that experience with my wife. In fact, later on we teased about you know, the natural childbirth process and the Lamaze method, and as we went through that process, I remember Lynn was telling me that I was telling her the wrong things as she was in labor and giving birth. So I have those kind of experiences as well. I try to get it right. <laughs> but all of us have had those different mountaintop experiences in some way, form, or fashion. And some of the disciples here, as the scriptures that we've just read, had a mountaintop experience with Jesus as he was transfigured. And later on in this portion of scripture, they actually have, if you will, a valley experience because they're trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus and they're not able to do so and Jesus actually rebukes them for their lack of faith. So in this portion of scripture itself in chapter 17, there's a mountaintop experience and then there's a valley experience. So there's a high and there's a low. And I think that kind of sums up our lives. So what happens when we have a mountaintop experience and then the realities of life seem to creep in and then we find ourselves in the valley? How do we respond to that? How do we get out of the valley experience? I think all of us can acknowledge that when we're on a mountaintop experience that we're doing pretty good and we really don't need God and things are going great. But when things begin to fall apart and we find ourselves in a new low, we ask ourselves a question, how do we get out of this experience? How do we get out of the low? How do we get out of the valley that we're experiencing about the realities of life? I want to encourage you to consider one concept when you are in that valley experience. And that is to truly understand for all of us, what the gospel means, what the good news means for you and I. In fact, 
couple of weeks ago, I was talking with another chaplain, and we were sharing the different things that we were talking about and different sermon illustrations. We do talk about those kind of things because we're always looking for new ideas. And he was sharing with me a sermon illustration, so I can't claim it's my own. It comes from somebody else, right? And, uh, but it was, a good, it was a good demonstration of think, what I think is important for us to understand in the gospel of Jesus Christ within our own lives. And he was sharing with me that the pastor that he was listening to shared this illustration about what it means to share and understand the gospel with someone else. And he actually asked his entire congregation to do this. I'm not going to ask any of you to do this because I don't want to put any of you on the spot. But he asked everybody in his congregation to turn to the person next to them and say the following, I am a great sinner but I have a greater Savior. I don't want you to do that, because you would probably get agreement with one another, like, yeah, I know you, yeah, you are a great sinner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 see, that's what I'm talking about. But I think the concept there for us to embrace is identifying with the whole idea that you and I, I am a great sinner, but I have a greater Savior. And that really is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ for us. For us. For you and me. For us. But that many times, though, when we find ourselves in the valley, the things of life that get us down, we forget that. We forget about the, the fact that all of us are great sinners, but that all of us have a greater Savior. And it's something that we need to embrace. I think it's something that we need to come to terms with. And the illustration goes on as the pastor was sharing the whole idea that if we think about the core understanding and meaning of what the good news is, the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think we can all embrace that. But then we find things in our lives that begin to draw circles around that understanding. If you will, barriers. And we have different barriers that we have to penetrate to get back to the original truth of what we believe in as followers of Jesus Christ. And he gave illustrations about what those barriers could be that prevents us from the core of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. I don't know what your barriers are. I know what some of my barriers are for me. I know the greatest barrier that I have is myself. And we've talked about that before, that if we embrace for ourselves what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, if we embrace for ourselves what the grace of Jesus Christ is, if we embrace for ourselves what the love of Jesus Christ is, then we are able to be changed. We truly are able to be transformed. But the premise for us is, I am a great sinner, but I have a greater Savior. In fact, as I was looking at different ways that people had said this term, one which I thought was really interesting actually said, I may be a great sinner. I'm like, well, that's a cop-out. I may be a great sinner. No, 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 don't say it may be. We know that you are because I am, and if I am, I know that you are. 
You know, so don't, I mean, maybe. And I thought it was pretty funny. I started laughing about that. Maybe. No, no. The scripture says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's not a maybe here. So I am a great sinner, but I have a greater Savior. And it's important for us to identify with that. Because when we do have those valley experiences and we begin to want to crawl out, you know, when you have to look up to see bottom, we need to go back to the truth for our lives in terms of what we are to represent. And it's not a downer to say that I am a great sinner, but I have a greater Savior. It's a reminder that there is something that is greater than ourselves to help us with the struggles and the difficulties that we are facing, to help us with all of the different screw-ups that we have done in our lives, the mistakes that we have made. I know sometimes the word sin is kind of one of those words that is old-fashioned and you're not supposed to say that word anymore, but you know, if we look it up by definition, I think sin covers up, covers a lot of things in terms of things in my life where I just made mistakes. I made wrong choices. I wasn't holy. I, I, I disavowed myself and my relationship with God because I wanted to have my own way. I wanted to do my own thing. And that's what sin is. That's what sin is. So sin is a good word because it is a reminder to us that in our relationship with God that we are going to make mistakes. We are going to make mistakes before God. We are going to make mistakes before each other because we are all sinners. And that, in the eyes of God, we all have equality. We all are there together wanting to understand, wanting to understand our lives better. How do we get out of this mess that we have created by our wrong choices? And so for us, I think it's good for us to identify where we are. Because for you to see the truth about your life, about my life, for you to see the truth about us, we need to identify the predicament that we're in. We need to take responsibility for our actions. And that's what that statement means. I am a great sinner. I take responsibility for my actions. Do I want to deny them? Do I want to put blame somewhere else? Do I want to say, as Sammy Davis Jr. used to say on laughing, the devil made me do it? Absolutely. But that's not what we're supposed to be about. And if we want to make the changes in our own lives, the first thing we need to do is to admit that the circumstances that we have, for the most part, things that we can control, the decisions that we make, we need to accept that and take that responsibility. Because only then when we, when we own that, when we take possession of that, can we begin to see our way out of the situation, out of the problem, out of the challenges that we have, out of the difficulties that we might be facing. And we see it as we say the second part, but I have a greater Savior. We look to Christ to give us that insight. We go before God with 
all of our imperfection, all of our sins, all of the things that we are responsible for that we own in which we've just made bad decisions and wrong decisions that were hurtful to ourselves and that was hurtful to others. And we cry out to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that You are a greater Savior. Save me. Save me from myself. Save us from the things that we have done in our lives. And then we see the Spirit of God working in our lives. And we see how God truly wants to make life better for us. But yet, as we talked about last week, we get a little bit impatient. And we don't do the fruits of the Spirit that God wants us to do. And because when we become impatient, we want things to happen right now. We want things to be instantaneous. We want God to answer our prayers in a microwave form within a matter of seconds. But yet it's during those times when we need to be patient, when we have to be patient, that we find ourselves growing and maturing and seeing the circumstances in which we face in a different way because we know that God is working in our lives and that God is transforming us. And we see here that as Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, many ways we forget to understand that as we come to know Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior, that the Spirit of God also transforms us. Because our sin is no more. Our burden of that has been lifted. And therefore, we can walk in the freedom that God has given us. And it is in that freedom that we embrace the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And we don't forget our place. We don't forget our place with God. Because we go back again to the statement, I am a great sinner, but I have a greater Savior. We don't forget where we began and where we came from. Because when we do, when we do forget that, when we put it behind us and say, okay, that's that one part that's good and now I'm on to something else. No, that original part always needs to be walking by our side. Because then what happens is we become self-righteous. We become judgmental to others. And we look at other people with our nose held high because we have been through that and all of a sudden we know better and we have this wisdom and this understanding and the discernment that God has given us. That all may be true, but don't let your spiritual pride overlook where you came from. The fact that all of us, all of us, are great sinners and that all of us have a greater Savior. And so when we find ourselves in that valley and we're trying to get out, we understand that God is with us walking by our side and that we can climb back up one step at a time. And if we slide back down, 
Or if there are storms that rise and the way gets a little slippery and we might stumble and fall, we should remind ourselves that in the eyes of God, He sees us making the effort and taking that one step at a time forward. And even though we go back down, we keep going back up. Because we want to be changed. We want for God to continue that transformation in our lives that began when we came to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because God wants us to pursue that. He wants us to understand that within our own lives that we are not powerless. And as we prayed this morning, there are times, and I was just being honest in my prayer for all of us, that there are times when we just don't feel like praying. And I never want to pray just because I have to. Or someone's expecting me to give some kind of grandiose blessing on some type of event. Anytime I pray, I always want it to be one of honesty, one that is spirit-led, one that truly reflects my heart, because if I prayed any other way, I would not be honoring God. I would not be honoring you. And God wants us to live that way. He wants us to reflect everything in our own lives. And many times we may not feel it, or we may be feeling kind of down because of different things that are taking place, or maybe some of the things that we're trying to accomplish and they're not working out the way that we want them to. But God reminds us, hey, it's okay. I am with you. I have never left you. I have never forsaken you. And I want you to understand that you are not powerless in your circumstance. On the contrary, I will give you the encouragement of faith that you need to have. I will give you that strength that you need to have. But you need to ask. And many times when we don't, we don't need to ask. And I think it's okay to say to God, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to ask you about these circumstances. I know that the Spirit of God can make petitions for me, can make intentions to you in a very special way, but Lord, right now, I, you just know my heart. You know that I just feel that somehow I just feel powerless, and I just feel useless, and I don't feel any kind of purpose. But God says, you always have purpose. There's never any need for you to be powerless because I am always there with you. And our lives are evidence of that. The effectiveness of our lives is based on not whether we are gifted, not whether we feel some type of calling. Our effectiveness is based on how you and I respond to God through His Son, Jesus Christ identifying ourselves with God, identifying ourselves why we need His Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. That's where we become effective. It begins with, I am a great Savior. Excuse me. I am a great sinner, but I have a greater Savior. It always goes back to that. 
And we see the effectiveness that God wants us to have just by saying that very simple statement. Just by embracing that. Just by mirroring within our own personal lives what that represents. And then we see the experience that God wants us to have. And we begin to look back and we see the valley that God has taken us out of. And not only are we at the bottom now, but we've gone a little bit higher now and we can see the bottom. We begin to look up to the mountaintop. We begin to experience God in a very unique and special way. And we focus on what is in front of us. We focus in what is forward in our lives. And that's where God wants us to be. He wants us always to be looking at the present in our lives and looking forward to what He has for us. The expectations of taking another step in another day with God. To understand and to experience what it truly is to embrace the greater Savior that we have. The Savior for you and me and for us. The Savior for the entire world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whomsoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. That's what it's all about. Looking forward each day with our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So does my hope and prayer that we embrace the Gospel, the good news, that He gives each and every one of us every day. The fact that God loves us and always is in the forgiving business. The forgiveness of our sins is always there for us. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion embracing publicly what God has done for us within our own spirit, the transformation of our soul in him. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you give us this wonderful opportunity to have communion together, to remind each and every one of us that we are great sinners, but that we have a greater Savior. And Lord, I just thank you for that. Because it sums up while we are here, it sums up the way of living that you want us to have. Thank you, God. In Christ's name. Amen.
For I received from the Lord, but I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our last hymn this morning is hymn number 262, The First Noel the Angel Did Say. 262, The First Noel the Angel Did Say.
don't sing all those verses all the time. But if those are good words to remind us of what the season truly is about. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have touched all of our lives. And Lord, we just praise you that your love is all about us and our relationship with you. And we praise you for that. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.